0: Welcome to Songs of Praise. We hope you enjoy the Christ-centered songs and that it brings healing to your soul.
1: Weak, I am worn. Through the storm and through the
2: night, lead me on to Your light. Take my hand, precious Lord.
0: is
3: Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shining afar through shadows dim, giving a light for those who long have gone, have gone, and guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. Shine on. Oh, beautiful star, beautiful star Shine upon us until the glory, glory dawn, and guiding the wise men on their way unto the place where Jesus lay. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on. O oh, beautiful star, the hope of light, guiding the pilgrim through the night over the mountain till the break of dawn. Perfect day, it will give out a lovely ray. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on, shine on. Oh, beautiful star, beautiful, beautiful star, of, Bethlehem, star of Bethlehem, shine upon us until the glory, glory dawn. And into the light of perfect day, it will give out a lovely ray. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on, shine on. Oh, o beautiful star, the hope of rest, for the redeemed, the good and last. Yonder in glory when the crown is one, is one. For Jesus is now that star divine, brighter and brighter he will shine. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine, shine! Oh, beautiful star, beautiful, beautiful star of Bethlehem, star of Bethlehem. shine, shine upon us until the glory, glory dawn. For Jesus is now the star divine. Brighter and brighter he will shine. Beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on, shine on, beautiful star of Bethlehem, shine on.
0: Songs of Praise continues on 3ABN Australia Radio.
4: my feet and let them walk down the hill from Calvary, into a world that needs to know that love has come to set them free. Take my hands and let them read. Out into a dying land, help me touch my broken brother, Jesus Savior, wash my hands, for I am holy. yours. Jesus, cleanse and make me holy, yours, only yours alone. Take my lips and let them speak at the impulse of your love. As the Holy Spirit moves. For I am wholly yours, now and forever. Take my heart to be your own. Blessed Jesus, cleanse and make me. eyes of earth can see more of Jesus and less of me holy yours now and forever take my heart to be your own blessing
2: Who is on the Lord's side Who will serve the King Who will be His helpers Other souls to bring Divine. We are on the Lord's side, Saviour. We are done. Jesus da secure. Uh, For his truth unchanging makes our triumph sure. Joyfully enlisting by thy grace divine. We are
0: Psalm 135, verse 3. Praise the Lord, for Yahweh is good. Sing praises to his name, for that is pleasant.
5: Someday your face I'll see Oh God
6: I shall see. I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side. And His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know know Him and redeemed by His side I shall stand I shall know Him I shall know Him by the Prince of the I shall know him and redeem by his side, I shall stay.
0: Musical messages about our loving Creator God, this is Songs of Praise. Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us
2: Kneeling
1: on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory Was your power in us Scars and struggles on the way but with joy our hearts can sing. Yes, our hearts can
0: It's been a pleasure to have your company here on Songs of Praise. We here at 3ABN Australia Radio wish you God's richest blessings.
7: Today in 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading, we're continuing I Saw God's Hand by the late missionary pastor Elwin Martin, Much of the book is set in Papua New Guinea and is broadcast with the kind permission of amazing
8: facts. In our last episode, the author, Elwin Martin, told us of his plan to take the gospel to the heathen villages in the Valala area of the Gulf District in Papua New Guinea. He visited about 12 villages and secretly took photos of the people in the village. He then showed them to the people before and during his programs. This captivated the people's interest from the start. After taking a number of meetings over three days, he moved on to Oweki's village and the home of his father, the devil priest. After the first meeting, he was threatened by one of the cohorts of the devil priest with death. Resuming chapter 10. At all the meetings the next day, the devil priest was present. After every meeting, he sent someone to ask me how I was feeling, to which I always answered, never better. That night, at the closing meeting of the series, about 50 people pledged to follow their Lord in response to my call to join a baptismal class. Imagine my joy when I saw the devil priest himself make his way down to where I was standing. He handed me a small woven bag that contained all his devil charms. The old fellow, in a breaking voice, asked how I was feeling. Again I answered, never better. Chokingly he said, Master, I have tried everything I know of to puri-puri you, but nothing has worked. The God you serve is stronger than the God I serve. I want to follow your God." I should have burned those devilish charms that night. But weary after my third campaign, I left them until morning. Soon after I retired, I was awakened from my sleep by a presence in the house in which I was sleeping. Then I felt hands stronger than mine closing around my throat, hands that were strangling me. In a desperate, choking voice, I cried out, I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, to leave me alone. Immediately I was released from the devil's power. After a break of a few days, we launched our attack for Christ on the fourth village, but this time I gave Pastor Koivy the privilege of doing the preaching. Pastor Koivy's results compared favorably with the previous results. I told him that I would give him two teachers and that they were to conduct two series each in six villages. Then it was Pastor Paul Yama's turn. I did the same with him. But by this time we had no more teachers to do the follow-up work because we had 600 in our baptismal classes. Some months later I felt sure we would baptise at least 500 by the year end. It was with some fear and trepidation that I took my overdue furlough. For funds would not allow another European to take over my mission station and care for my interests. I was bitterly disappointed that I was not given the opportunity of cutting my furlough a little short so as to be back for the baptism. It was the largest up to that time in the Australasian division in one day, with 334 being baptized. Chapter 11 the boat we couldn't get home. On a number of occasions, while in yearly and half-yearly committee meetings at our Port Moresby headquarters, I had expressed a desire to have an additional boat for my work. The 40-footer I already had was a wonderful improvement over travelling by canoe, as I had done in the first years of my mission experience in the Vailala district. The way had been hard at Vailala because the only means of transport was by foot patrol for inland work or by canoe for coastal or river work. These treks used to take me away for up to eight weeks at a time. Often, while travelling by canoe, my companions and I would be caught in a heavy tropical downpour that saturated our bedding. However, with only two seasons, hot, and hotter, these drenchings did not cause undue worry. Maybe it seemed like lack of appreciation to ask for a second boat. We had been thrilled when a second-hand 40-footer was purchased for the Vilalla Field. This meant that I could travel much faster, cover greater areas, and have greater time with my family. This boat proved a tremendous blessing, but it always worried me, for it was deep-drafted, and was a potential danger in crossing river bars. It would not stand up if it happened to run aground in a running-out tide. In committee a number of times, I expressed my desire to have an additional small boat, shallow-drafted, that could enter small waterways and thereby enable me to reach many more villages. Money was always needed elsewhere, and my small boat project was given a low priority. After some two years of bringing forward my request, I was truly grateful when, from another of our mission stations close to Port Moresby, a so-called whale boat fitted with a new inboard motor was voted to my field. It was just an open 14-foot boat, but it was ideal for my requirements. The problem now was getting it to my field, for hauling it on the 40-footer would cause us to be too top-heavy for the rough seas that were running. The only alternative was to tow it behind the larger boat, the 150 miles. I purchased 300 feet of new 3-inch rope for the purpose, but had to wait several days because of angry seas. On Thursday afternoon... There seemed to be definite signs of a break in the weather, so I informed the crew that we would be on our way at dawn the next morning. We travelled all day in very heavy seas, but had no difficulty in reaching Yulee Island, the only real shelter on that coastline, just before sunset on Friday afternoon. Our plans were to spend a quiet Sabbath in protected waters and at 10 o'clock Saturday night sail for Vailalla. That plan would give us ample time to reach the Vilala River mouth before the top of the high tide. Late on Saturday afternoon, a rather large coastal boat skippered by Captain Dave Lamont, probably the best skipper ever in these treacherous Papuan waters, dropped anchor close by. I inquired of Dave concerning the seas outside. He answered in one word, "'Shocking.' He asked what time I was putting out, and I told him 10 p.m. Dave replied, You should be okay, Owen. The seas have eased a little in the past couple of hours, and the weather report is encouraging. So by 10 o'clock tonight, you should be all right. We closed the Sabbath, and during the remaining daylight made our way through a very difficult reef passage, where one has to alter course every few minutes. We dropped anchor about 7pm at a point from which I knew I could run out through the remainder of the reef on the compass, a straight course, even though the passage was none too wide. The night, which proved to be black as pitch, did not worry us too much, as we would be running by compass all night. Shortly before 10pm, we weighed anchor and bore out into the night at full speed through the passage. We were no sooner clear of the reef than we found we were in shocking seas with no way back, for there were no beacons on the whole coastline except at Port Moresby. I decided that the only thing to do was to go on, even though I could not see how the boat could weather the seas. I put straight out to sea for the first hour and a half, almost at right angles to the coastline, so as to be clear of reefs. It was almost impossible to maintain a course. The seas were crashing over the decks. We had been running for about one hour when one of the crew members said, Master, the whaleboat is gone. I couldn't believe it, but when we pulled in the new towline, we found it had broken like a piece of flax. It is extremely dangerous to turn around in heavy seas, but I felt I had to locate my new boat. With the aid of a powerful searchlight, we sighted the whaleboat after about an hour's search. I knew it could not sink, for it had large watertight tanks under the seats. As we neared the whaleboat, one of my boys plunged over into that raging sea and was soon lost sight of. I shouted to the boy who was looking frantically for his mate with the searchlight to hold the light on the whaleboat and not take it off. Within a few minutes, we saw a bobbing head come up near the whaleboat. As we watched, we saw him climb onto the whaleboat. Somehow, the boys got the rope to him, but I couldn't leave the wheel to watch. But the others said that he crawled back along the rope to safety. Thus, we had the whaleboat to tow again. Not knowing where we were was disquieting, to say the least. We could have been ten miles up the coast or ten miles down the coast or, what was even more frightening, near the reef. We couldn't see a foot in front of us without the searchlight. I decided to put out to sea for another hour and a half. We had been running the best part of an hour, the seas worsening every minute, when one of the boys shouted to me, Master, the whale boat is gone again! And sure enough once again the three-inch rope had been broken like a thread of cotton by the mountainous seas. Again I turned in the raging seas and after about a half an hour's search, with the aid of the searchlight, we found the whaleboat. I ordered my boys to run the anchor chain out. We had sixty fathoms, that's about 360 feet, of chain, almost as thick as my little finger. Somewhat confidently, I told the boys that no sea would break that. We again went through the same difficult and dangerous procedure as before. But at last we had the whaleboat in tow again. Now I was in a bigger turmoil than ever. Maybe by this time we were 20 miles up the coast, or the same distance down the coast, or perhaps we were nearer the reef. Not knowing... I decided to put out to sea for another hour and a half. We had been running only about half an hour when the boy shouted, Master, the whaleboat is gone. I just couldn't believe it. When the chain was pulled in, we found that the nose of the boat had been torn out and was still attached to the chain. Turning in the sea for the third time, I decided that if we could find the whaleboat, I would try to get the new engine out of it. It would mean undoing about a dozen bolts, tying a rope around the engine and hauling it on board. I asked my most capable boy, the one who had plunged into the sea on the two previous occasions, to take the wheel and try to hold the boat into the sea. I told the light boy to keep the light on the whaleboat, and I would do the rest. Picking up two crescent wrenches, I was about to plunge into the sea when three of the crew clung to me and with tears running down their faces said, Master, you can't go. If one of us is lost, that doesn't matter. But if you are lost, then we are all lost, for we don't know where we are. I knew they needed me, but I also knew that they would not know which bolts to undo. There was only one alternative, leave the whaleboat. It was already awash with water, with only the watertight tanks holding it in a half-submerged condition. This was an agonizing decision. To be continued.
7: Tune in again next week for the next episode of I Saw God's Hand, written by Elwyn Martin and read by Alan Lindsay.
0: Listen to William Ackland as he shares a psalm from his paraphrase of the Bible called The Gift.
9: In the Bible, Psalm 67 is headed as a song. Many psalms are songs but not all because many of them are prayers to God. And this one again is for the choir director and is an invocation and a doxology. God We plead for your mercy and your blessing. Cause the glory of your face to shine upon us, that your way may be found by the nations and your salvation be shown to the people. May all the people praise you, O God. I say, let the nations praise you. May all the people of the earth be glad and sing a joyful song. For in your righteousness you have judged the nations. And in your goodness, you have ruled over the earth. Let all the people praise you, O God. May they worship you from their hearts. Then the earth will yield its abundance, when God, our God, shall bless us. God in his love will indeed bless us, and all the peoples of the earth will reverence him.